Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. We have uh, a series uh, that we've been doing with some really great thinkers when it comes to the media. I call it the media gauge, and, and sometimes it's uh, uh, you know my uh, friends from Newsweek, including editors there. Sometimes it's a former VP from uh, CBS who comes on. Uh, i got a great friend who's a Netflix pr- producer and show developer and media critic uh, who comes out. You know all these people. You see them all the time when we have them on the program. And then there's Dr. David Ozer who's joining us today, a longtime favorite. Uh, I, I love talking to you about all things media. He has real, true uh, journalistic credentials. He's got criteria that he works with as uh, uh, you know, uh, a former professor at San Diego State University, which, by the way, is the most beautiful uh, state university campus in the San Diego State or in the California State System. Uh, I envy the fact that you got to spend years there, and you're still connected with them. Uh, David, always love having you on the program. Before we get into our topic, though, let's talk about your book, which is a fascinating book that uh, I think uh, you know is not only entertaining but also has uh, true educational value. Talk about that and how to get it. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me on the program again. Uh, the book, uh, The California Killing Field, is about the death penalty. It uh, has a strong abolitionist uh, subtext to it. But the thing that interested me most and the thing that's talked about the most is the way in which the media can be manipulated to, uh, in essence, carry content that can be very persuasive in terms of how people feel about issues, especially issues that don't touch their lives directly. Uh, when things touch our lives directly, we we have our own life experiences, but a lot of times what we know about what's going on in uh, society is based on things we read in the news, and there are powerful forces that try to shape the content of uh, what we see in the news. And so if you're interested in those issues, uh, uh, take a look at the California Killing Field. You can get it off of Amazon. Uh, did you mention your website? Uh, I did not, and thank you. Uh, it's uh, daviddozierbooks.com, uh, David Dozier, D-O-Z-I-E-R. It's French, too many vowels. <laughs> and I wasn't uh, didn't mean to sound sarcastic. I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. I can do that. My wife tells me, you miss a lot these days. Thanks, dear. Anyway, uh, <laughs> age is wonderful. Anyway, let's talk about, uh, you know, something a very interesting topic, you know, and I have really mixed feelings, as you've mentioned before, for someone who's, who's really right of center with a libertarian streak like myself, and a Berniac like you, uh, we, in spite of all that, we have a, a, a huge area that we agree in that uh, is so important and, frankly, is uh, foundational to really all talk about public policy, which is our, our belief in the First Amendment and in free speech, really unabridged free speech beyond those that have been uh, obviously pointed out by law, like the slander and libel. Obviously, that can't continue. But, you know, we largely agree on these big issues. And so set the stage. You've got an interesting topic for us that I think is almost highbrow in the eyes of many, uh, but it's very important uh, nonetheless. Go ahead and set the stage for us. 
Well, uh, basically, the uh, stage is uh, the enormous uh, uh, reduction in the number of uh, uh, newspapers and the number of employees in newsrooms. So it's uh, it's addressing a problem. And in, in California right now, there's a piece of legislation that is basically on hold until 2024. But uh, this legislation would, in essence, require uh, big tech, uh, uh, Facebook, and uh, the other uh, the other platforms that, in essence, aggregate news from uh, news organizations, but they don't compensate them for that news. And so that advertising revenue uh, that goes to uh, uh, folks like Facebook, uh, all of that goes to Facebook, and none of it goes to the people who uh, actually generated that content. Now, uh, the devil is in the detail, and uh, uh, you and I might be a little bit apart on this because I think the idea is good, but um, there are some problems uh, that certainly need to be addressed, and, and certainly one of them is, uh, as you oh, mentioned. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I want to interrupt you just to get some clarity on this, okay, because um, I'm stuck. I'm not hearing anything else you say. <laughs> because of this issue here. I got a feeling I'm not the only one. So is Facebook putting these on there or are readers of these newspapers, uh, you know, of these media putting it on Facebook? Uh, well, it's the uh, ways in which uh, information gets aggregated uh, on on those sites, and um, uh, in many instances, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, Google News um, uh, uh, will aggregate information from other sources, and uh, and basically, it's very expensive to generate news, as you as you well know, you're in the business, and so the question is, how do we how do we compensate those news organizations when that content is used and uh, what sorts of uh, uses are uh, considered um, uh, the sort of things that uh, news organizations should be paid for. And that's where it gets really tricky. Uh, and that's where the ACLU has come down against this law, uh, the uh, California ACLU, because they feel that there's a, a, a implicit chilling effect on, uh, on sharing information if, in fact, there are these fees involved. Yeah. But that's, so, but so that, but let me, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I was okay, going to just simply say, say that we have an experiment in uh, Australia, uh, and uh, different folks have different takeaways from it. But it has infused uh, 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 journal journalists and uh, news organization in Australia with about two hundred million dollars in uh, uh, revenues from uh, big tech, and uh, and so the question is, uh, how has that affected uh, 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 journalism in Australia and? Uh, the bottom line seems that it's been helpful to it. Now, at what cost in terms of uh, free expression, that's where it gets tricky. And so the devil is in the details here. Now, so when I hear it, yeah, there's a lot. I, and and uh, your summary did a very good job, and we'll, and we'll do our best to cover all the points that you had in it. We'll, of course, have all of, all of them in the article that we produce uh, that you take the lead on uh, after we're done. Um, but I, I think probably the vast majority of media out there, because of how competitive the environment is, uh, want their content out there. And they're okay uh, not necessarily getting paid for it. Would they prefer to get paid for it? Sure, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. They want, it's a great form of advertising to have that on Facebook. I say that 
as a well, uh, someone who's in the smaller end of the publishing business. We have hundreds of thousands of uh, views a month. We don't have millions, you know, and, and, and in the space, you know, I would love to get the millions. Well, if that means free exposure, by all means do it. This seems to me, because now when I do go to Google News, and I go there a lot, you click the article, and guess what? It goes to a paywall. And it would seem right. to me, it would seem to me, that that would be a free market solution if they you know, let the business decide whether or not they want their content to be available for free on these uh, sites. Uh, and if not, make a paywall. At least they got a free ad that went straight to their uh, site. And then the people have to make a decision they want to do that. And then there's never a fear of infringement on uh, the First Amendment, and it's a great opportunity for smaller media that has a really hard time competing with the legacy media, even though the legacy media um, seems to be on license support, a lot of them. The smaller media are in even more difficult situations. Yes, and that's uh, that's another criticism of uh, this approach is that uh, some effort needs to be made uh, to ensure that um, the the smaller uh, uh, media news media outlets are uh, included in the bargain. That was a critique of how things went down in Australia. Uh, Rupert Murdoch got a giant share of that uh, uh, two hundred million, uh, but then again, uh, he owns a lot of media uh, news media outlets in Australia. Um, in uh, the California bill, they've tried to uh, do a workaround on that. But where it gets tricky is the difference between simply having a link and uh, and actually uh, doing some aggregation of information um, that was content generated by somebody else. And uh, uh, it, it's not a matter of uh, asking permission from those uh, uh, legacy media or smaller, uh, smaller, you know, digital only outlets. Uh, uh, you just take it, and uh, that's been uh, a largely um, unregulated area. See, to me, the the First Amendment has to do with the content, but this is kind of a business relationship. It's like, you know, you, you use something that belongs to somebody else, you get to, you have to pay for the usage. Uh, and uh, that seems to be where a lot of the uh, news organizations and, uh, you know, like the Newspaper Guild uh, are coming down in favor of this. Uh, now, the one reason why the California law was stalled um, was that they're really concerned about getting the details right. Uh, we have a very blue uh, state legislature, uh, but they decided to hold off on this until 2024 because there are just so many pieces of this that you really got to get right um, uh, before you do damage to uh, uh, either big tech, which is kind of hard to do, or uh, or the news media. Uh, you got to be real careful about how you do it. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm a member of the ACLU. I'm sympathetic to their arguments. Uh, but I think that has to do with, you know, exactly how this thing gets uh, implemented, not a, not a broad uh, condemnation of the idea that you pay something for using their intellectual property. Yeah, so what, what uh, you know, these companies are smart, you know, and so in my opinion, if they wanted to protect their party, their content, uh, they, would use, they would use paywalls. If they did not want people to have free access, they would use paywalls. That's that's what I think they would do. Most of them already have paywalls, you know, or they may give you a certain number for, uh, for free. Um, 
I don't know. To me, this is this seems like one where it's really easy for the company, uh, the the content provider, to protect themselves. Pretty easy. Mm, okay. Well, I think that uh, the uh, they're, uh, they're looking at who's lining up and for and against uh, the California legislation is a real interesting collection, and I think the uh, the opposition to it is interesting. Uh, strange bedfellows because it's uh, uh, you know folks like the Chamber of Commerce in bed with the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, which is. You know that isn't that alignment doesn't happen very often, um, but there's a lot of support, obviously, on the side of uh, uh, newspaper publishers and and the guild and uh, uh, other organizations that are interested in trying to preserve um, uh, preserve journalism as we've known, and especially uh, uh, community level journalism. Uh, CBS, NBC, ABC, and uh, New York Times and Wall Street Journal are doing pretty good uh but uh the local paper here in san diego was just sold earlier this week um and uh, they're going to immediately start cutting staff and it's just a long downward spiral that's been going on for a long time in uh in uh in journalism uh and uh and i think that we can all agree that that's not a good thing now it's, we i think we can agree on what the problem is what the solution is a little bit trickier and you got to do it right uh and i am sensitive to the first amendment issues uh, uh, that, that could potentially be involved here. So what's your aversion to media to say, hey, I don't want to give this away, and they have paywalls? And again, I, I see it all the time, particularly on, on Google. Uh, Google is probably preemptively trying to solve this problem that you're solving uh, by, uh, you know, apparently not discriminating against uh, media that is requiring a paywall to get through. Because I'll click a lot of articles on Google News, and it goes straight to a paywall, you know, on the side. You know, it's from, you know, Washington Post or whatever, uh, which I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the Post, so I don't have a problem. But they ask for that first, and then you click further for the article, and, oh, well, we know you, you know, how that works. And so uh, what's your problem with that as a solution? Uh, uh, well, it's not, it's, it, you know, I, first of all, nobody's asking me except you, so I'm not sure I have the power. Well, you're to my, you're my authority. You're one of my experts, so I am asking you. <laughs> well, my take on it is, is I, uh, that when I read the uh, first description of the article, um, I read, well, of course you want to do that. It seems like a great idea. Um, but like, like I said earlier, it's uh, devil's in the detail, and you get down in the weeds, and it gets complicated. So uh, if... If it boils down to, in my mind, if somebody is using your content and and different sites use it in different ways, and that's what I mean, devil in the details. You got to figure out um, what what constitutes something uh, in terms of content that uh, brings people to um, uh, social media platforms and then keeps them there. And how does that work? How much traffic is driven to uh, various social media sites by content that comes from someplace else? And in uh, in in uh, the Australian experiment, um, they basically said, "Well, uh, you guys got to sit down and work out a deal. What's a what's a fair uh, usage news usage fee?" And um, 
And uh, as they're doing uh, in Canada, which also has a similar bill, and uh, and threatening to do in California, they say, well, we'll just take all of the content off. We just won't have any news content. Uh, but that's kind of a bluff. They tried that in Australia. They actually pulled news content for about a week or so. Uh, but then they were able to get some concessions, and they went uh, uh, they went along with it, and uh, and uh, and now pay a, a, what amounts to apparently a relatively small usage fee, given the kind of of uh, 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 money they make, uh, they pay a usage fee to Australian news organizations, and um, and in my take on it, it doesn't seem to have had uh, the kinds of negative effects that uh, uh, my friends in the ACLU are concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah. This is one of those times where we're going to end up uh, agreeing to disagree. Uh, which is really rare considering uh, how long uh, we've done this and how often in the end. Uh, and, again, it, it, we, we kind of operate under around the banner of uh, free speech, which we both have that. But even that has gray, right? Even that has uh, uh, nuance to it. And so uh, um, to me, in the end, this is, a, this is addressing a problem that really isn't a, isn't a problem. Uh, we were in early uh, stages of the Internet where it was difficult to do some of the things like create a uh, paywall and, and uh, that type of thing. That would be one thing. But that, that period is done. And if they were smart, which I think a lot of them are, right? A lot of these publishers are smart. They would probably want that one article to be free to get them on that site and read it and like, wow, look at this cool journalism, and then click from there and then have a paywall. That's probably what they would do in, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit that uh, exists in these newspapers that are not just journalists, as you point out, but also businesses. And so, but, you know, I, I do see your point, but to me it's like addressing a problem that really isn't a problem, one that the market could actually figure out itself. So that's kind of my, my take. Uh, final thoughts, though, and we will have more Final thoughts, I'll probably uh, weigh in with mine. Uh, usually you produce these great articles, phenomenal summaries for us, uh, but I might have a, a minority opinion. <laughs> uh, please please <laughs> do. At the end to make it interesting. Uh, but uh, final thoughts, uh, uh, and I think this is a great topic. You know, and this is one of the rare times where you brought a topic to me, and I was grappling with it. You know, I told you that when, when you brought yeah, it to my right. attention. Yeah, you and were so, yeah, and I still grapple with it. So uh, I don't have any panaceas here, but the more we've talked about it, the more comfortable I become in my view. So, um, so anyway, final thoughts, though, because I do think it's worth the, dis the discussion. It should not be dismissed. It's something that needs to be debated. Um, your final thoughts. Well, I, my take on it is that um, uh, uh, it, it has some potential to help with the uh, struggling uh, uh, struggling uh, news organizations in California, and I'm referring specifically to the California law, uh, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, but if you do it the wrong way, it ends up being counterproductive, and I, so I appreciate your concerns. Um, and uh, uh, the ACLU makes a pretty forceful argument about, well, you know, you start, you know, charging, you know, money for this. It's the basic effect is that it's going to uh, have a chilling effect on the exchange of uh, of basically good news. That is to say, uh, you know, carefully uh, uh, carefully constructed news done by people that are doing their best to be objective. Yeah, I don't know who those are. Send me a list list of them. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. That's, that goes back to our, and I don't mean to be mean. There's some out there. They all work for the Associated Press and Reuters, from what I can tell. But, um, you know, but that goes back to our point that uh, I think has been a, an overarching theme in this series now that's been going on for a long time. And I love that we do this. And I don't know many in the media critic space that do this, which is ultimately the burden falls on the consumer of news rather than the creator of news. If you want objective news, be objective consumers of news. That doesn't mean you don't have a worldview. That doesn't mean you don't have a philosophy. That just means that you approach the news not believing you know it all <laughs> and being willing to, to uh, absorb different perspectives. And we'll be amazed by the uh, um, amazing colors of nuance that will help you appreciate other human beings more and uh, at the same time make you uh, more enlightened as you uh, look at things. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. And I think that's been the uh, focus of this series all along, including this conversation. Frankly, the way we've handled it is like neither one of us act like we know it all. Well, exactly, and I think that our uh, an overarching theme of everything we've talked about is the importance of uh, uh, digital media literacy and the ability of consumers to uh, uh, be able to tell the good stuff from the bad stuff and the sources that are reliable and not reliable. And I think that on that we agree a hundred percent. And uh, uh, and hopefully this uh, this series uh, helps uh, listeners uh, develop some of that sophistication in terms of, you know, you got to be careful about uh, the stuff you read or the stuff you see, uh, because somebody produced it. What was their agenda? Uh, uh, you know, what's their reputation for being reliable and objective? And so those are all things that uh, if we arm the consumer with that kind of information, then the damage done by, you know, misinformation and disinformation, I think, is substantially reduced. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Um, I always love having you on. This is fun. It's fun to not always agree. And, uh, and it's fun for uh, you and I, who have now worked together uh, long enough to say we're good friends as well, to be able to navigate it with uh, great mutual respect and in the end kind of go, oh, there's still a lot to think about. I love that. Thanks so much, as always, David Dozer. Thank you very much for having me on the program. Look forward to our next chat. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.